I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Uh, this is Feel Good Friday episode 122, and it's July 22nd, oh, 2022. Oh my god! Whoa! Whoa. You know what Dude, that means? That's it, crazy. It probably means that uh, today might be the end of the world. Huh. Never thought of that. What? It's an angel number, right? What's uh, let, Let's look that up. What no, does, that's what is 8888. 20, no, no. 2222. You know how I think we should start the show? I think that we should angel each number. read our horoscopes. Okay. What do you think? Here we go. Uh, 2222 meaning. This is the complete meaning of the uh, mirror hour 2222. Discover what this double hour means right now. Uh, Significance 22 with guardian angels. An interpretation of 2222 with the guardian angels shows that you are going to do great things. This is going to be a great episode, guys. Um, Isn't it crazy how, how easy it is for somebody to just make something up (laughs) (laughs) you have the necessary patience and humility but at the moment you are lacking recognition okay so Mm. we so we don't have much recognition during this episode but we do have some humility wow Uh, your perseverance will allow you to become a role model in your field Ooh, we're gonna set a good good example for our listeners today Wait, uh, what, you're going so, to command respect through your determination <laughs> and your strong work ethic. Good thing like, I put this yeah. episode together 10 Thanks minutes ago. for fully making that up. Wait, is this a number horoscope? Basically a, a horoscope for a number? Yeah, angel numbers. Um, I, I'm just looking at angel numbers right here. Oh, and there's, oh my God. there's 111, 222, 333, and yep. so on to 999. Yep. And each one has a different sort of like... Um, uh, like attribute to them. Yes. So like one is intuition, two is alignment. Alignment. Three is support. So this is the day of alignment. This is the ultra alignment episode. We're so aligned right now. Dude. So aligned. So aligned. So aligned. We just said that at the exact same You and I, same wavelength. Same line. Well, let's talk about angels, shall we? Really? And by angels, I mean death. Uh, the angels of death, uh, raining from the sky. Uh, did you guys hear this recent study that just came out from uh, some scientists uh, that <laughs> death from falling rocket debris uh, is highly unlikely, but that is changing? No. I t- okay. I, what's the definition of changing? Uh, changing because there's more rocket debris in the sky, and yes. now the chances are getting higher and higher. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Last that. year there was zero. This so, year there was yeah, one. Yeah. So like, so this is a this is a really great place to talk about relative risk versus absolute risk. It's like your absolute risk is still zero, but your relative risk has risen by like fifty percent. Well, how about this? How about this? If you were to take a guess, what the number now sits, the percentage of a of a chance of one or more casualty from a falling rocket part in the next decade, what do you think, it, what do you think that that percentage is? Oh, it's 
probably uh, it's probably pretty high. Yeah, right. So we're talking of about the percentage casualty. that one person will get die or be injured out of the by out falling of, rocket out of the debris. out of like the total amount of people in the next decade, which is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like forty billion people that will live from now until the ne- end of the next decade that will like be born and die. Yeah, I would say the the that means percentage it's one in 40 chance billion? is close to a hundred percent. Uh, that's a little high. <laughs> um, this is uh, coming from Stina on our uh, Discord. Thank you, Stina. Um, uh, sorry, kids, but when you're wishing on a falling star, those flashing streaks in the sky at night might actually be flaming rocket parts. Um, and <laughs> as new research suggests, some of those flaming rocket parts could be headed in your general direction. Scientists say there's a growing likelihood that raining rocket parts could cause injury or harm to people down here on Earth, though it is still extremely unlikely that you'll receive a rocket rocket fuselage to the face when staring up at the stars. (laughs) What's the odds? Um, Researchers are calling on the world's spacefaring nations to consider controlled reentries for spaceship components left floating in low Earth orbit. In a Nature Communications paper released today, Canada-based researchers say that there is a 10% chance of one or more casualties from falling rocket parts in the next decade based on data uh, extrapolated from publicly released reports. The strong possibility that these rocket parts are more likely to land in the global south uh, means that most spacefaring nations and private companies are effectively exporting risk to the rest of the world especially the southern part of the globe as scientists write their well, study. Not I, that much risk. I mean, I get that it's I get that it's something that we should definitely like think about and be aware of. Oh, for sure. For dude. sure, obviously think about it because you don't want anybody to, I mean, ideally nobody dies. Hopefully. It would be a I mean, it but would we be are a, talking <clears throat> like we're talking 0.00000. I think if one if it was a 1 in 40 billion I'm I'm guessing with 40, I'm guessing around 40 billion people, something, something in that neighborhood, maybe like you're talking 0.0000000001%. Yeah. But to that person who does die to their family, it's 100% shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, right. So So we should do (laughs) We should put, we should do lockdowns. Yeah. <laughs> we need lockdowns. That's the only way to solve this. Oh the only way to prevent that family from suffering <laughs> is to lock everybody down, yeah. stay inside. Yeah. And uh, for two weeks. Yeah. So, <laughs> At least for now it's two weeks. <laughs> but so, in two weeks, it could be yeah. ten years. Because this that is over a decade. So, oh uh, so what is the likelihood that parts of rockets might fall on areas occupied by humans? Well, more nations and private companies are putting rockets in the space, which means more uh decoupled parts are hanging out in orbit. There were 133 successful launch attempts in 2021, a new world record, and we're looking to smash that record uh, this year in 2022. According to the report, more than 60% of launches abandon rocket bodies in orbit, where they're left circling the Earth for days, months, or sometimes years. Prior research shows that less than 50% of the Earth that isn't permanently covered in ice has remained relatively uninhabited and untouched by humans. But as the new research shows, there's still a chance that rocket parts can hit populated centers. The team used data on average orbit angles and population statistics at different latitudes 
to show there's a curve in the likelihood for parts to crash at locations with at least some human habitation. And since so many of these launches take place near the equator, uh, there's a higher risk for developing nations in the southern hemisphere. Scientists noted cities like Jakarta, uh, Mexico City, that's a big one. Um, Lagos. Jakarta is gigantic yep. as well. Uh, are three times more likely to get hit than uh, somewhere like New York, Beijing, or Moscow. Uh, the disproportionate risk from rocket bodies is further exacerbated by poverty, with buildings in the global south typically providing a lower degree of protection, uh, the study authors wrote. And referencing NASA research, the scientists say that roughly 80% of the world's population lives unprotected or in lightly sheltered structures, providing limited protection against falling debris. Mm. Uh, so how many times have rocket parts hit near populations? Uh, scientists cited two times debris from rockets landed back on Earth. Back in 2020, parts of a Long March 5B rocket core stage, which were used to launch an experimental uh, uncrewed capsule. When did it land? Uh, in fell, 2020. It fell onto two villages on the Ivory Coast, uh, damaging buildings but December? causing no recorded injuries or fatalities. 2019? Not sure. Did it carry a disease? Uh, <laughs> in April of 2021, another China-made core stage of a Long March 5B rocket body a piece that weighed nearly 23 tons. Sorry, what was that? 5G? 5B. <laughs> it landed in the Indian Ocean. Um, it had been the largest human-made object to do an uncontrolled re-entry. I believe that was in the news. They were kind of talking about it. I think I remember it. that yeah. as well. Um, it had been the largest... Uh, sorry, uh, this last April... People were pissed about it. The U.S. was pissed yes, about it. Yes, a lot of people were, yeah. This last April, investigators also said parts of another Chinese rocket landed on villages in the state of... Right, Mera Hasharta yeah. uh, in the western end of India. Um, yes, the probability of raining rocket parts causing injury or fatalities is still very small. In an interview with The Independent last year, Harvard astrophysicist Jonathan McDowell gave it a 1 in 7 billion chance that the 18-ton core stage might actually hit anyone. Uh, said McDowell, quote, experts say that it is impossible to predict where those parts of the rocket not burned up on reentry could land. One in seven billion. That I wasn't crazy far off. Yeah. It reminds me of like when you're, you know, when you're go when you go golfing and there's a group in front of you and they're like just at like the 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 like cusp of like being within range should of I, your should shot. Should I hit yet? Yeah, should I hit yet or not? Like, I mean, more often than not, I lean towards you should just hit because like you're likely not gonna hit Especially if you anyway. suck at golf. Right. Like, yeah. So like you're I'm going in the trees hit. anyway. Yeah. I know I'm not going to hit them. Right. So I'm not worried about teeing off on another group. But like the other thing. Though, the only thing about that is that the odds <laughs> are way greater. They are. Like significantly. It's probably yeah. once every, I would say once every five years someone dies on a golf course. No. Like, like at a golf course. At a golf course. Jared. Google that. <laughs> I don't, and I, I, don't, I don't mean at, I don't mean at, at, a, at a golf course on earth. I mean like. At every golf at, course? At, at every golf course. No. Dude, I like, or maybe not dies, but like significant <laughs> injury. <laughs> How many people get die getting hit by golf balls? Uh, according to the U.S. Sports Medicine Institute, tens of thousands of people seek medical attention for injuries resulting from flying golf balls every year. The extent of these injuries can equal the numbers of football injuries. Well, I know. I That's I, a see, fucking crazy see, stat. I fucking told you. Because I grew up golfing and I knew that every... Every year, someone gets hit by a golf ball and gets fucked up. All right, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna wait longer to tee off now. But the other thing, that thing that I was thinking, imagine we were sitting at the like the Halifax Commons on a nice sunny afternoon, and a rocket body came crashing down onto the grass field, 
and it didn't hit anybody, but it was close. Would you, would you want to experience that? What? Or would you, or would you be, you've or- asked me a similar <laughs> version of this question. Really like curious. a handful of times in the past couple of weeks. So, so say everybody was fine. When we were really high on mushrooms a few weeks ago, you, ask you, you yeah. asked me if I would want to experience a ca- catastrophic global event. Oh yeah, that's right. That only affected the other half of the earth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I couldn't <laughs> believe that you said yes. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Cause I was like, absolutely. I would not, but, uh, but I said yes too. I was like, hell yeah, dude. I did okay. not say yes. Okay. But, but my, my question is, so we my point did. is, yeah, no, did. I definitely yeah, did. My, my point is, so you're sitting in the grass field and the rocket part, a small part comes fl- like fl- it's on fire. Just crashes smashes in the ground the reality so of it is it's, pro- it. it's probably something that's like a square inch totally and it and so it in it but it leaves like a, a, a 10 big, foot crater yeah right and and so so say that everybody was totally fine nobody got injured would you want to experience that oh well yeah i mean in the if no one's getting injured sure right. why so not you're never going to get the chance to experience that if they start to like like regulate this stuff. oh yeah so you know what i'm going down to, let's fucking march tomorrow I'm anti I'm anti fuselage regulation. Well, researchers in this That's my stance. Researchers in this latest study have said the countries are being extremely lax. No more their, fuselage <laughs> mandates. Extremely lax in their attitudes towards ship reentry. Uh, the US Air Force waived or- orbital debris mitigation standard practices which require that the risk of casualty for reentry to be below 1 in 10 million uh, for 37 of 66 launches between 2011 and 2018. So what nations uh, be what should nations be trying to do to stop uncontrolled reentries through the technology for controlled reentries is becoming though the technology of for re, uh, for controlled reentries is becoming more common most of these measures cost a lot of money with the rise of private companies like SpaceX mandating controlled reentry could become a matter of uh, competitiveness still the authors of the new paper argued that going uh, as sorry far- sorry were you saying that it, was it saying that SpaceX mandates controlled reentry for all of their craft? Is that what you mean? Is that what that meant? Uh, I, I think SpaceX does do that. Yeah, they're saying though yeah. because it's expensive to do that, then to remain competitive, it might like incentivize companies to not do that because mm-hmm. they're trying to save yeah. money. Obviously, um, uh, still the authors of the new paper argued that going as far as forcing an international treaty through the United Nations might be necessary. Uh, quote, the states of the global South hold the moral high ground. Their citizens are bearing most of the risks and unnecessarily so since the technologies and missions designed uh, designs needed to prevent casualties exist already. Mm-hmm. Researchers said, I, I know you guys haven't watched and you have, but it was a long time ago. Um, uh, Donnie Darko, but mm-hmm. um, in Donnie Darko, a, uh, a, commercial jet engine falls mm-hmm. on the house of Donnie Darko's family and it lands in Donnie's room. That's far more common by the way than, than the That would be ship. that would be a wild way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, having a rocket just land on you. Google um you're not going to no. feel much. Google aircraft parts um falling from the sky because I know, that's I know, way more common. I know frozen shit is a big one. Um really? like yeah what? they'll like yeah they'll dump like they'll dump their fucking shitters up there no. and, and it freezes and it falls down yeah um how many people there's got to be a regulation died from frozen <clears throat> shit freezes. from airplanes so just to clarify too like this whole article is what you guys are understanding like is it that 
right now there's very minimal risk. However, with increased you know, rockets flying through the sky and stuff. I and think it's basic. I think it's the, about keeping the risk at zero. Yeah. And so that for there to remain, to be further to cons- continue to be almost no risk, there needs to be a consideration of this in future. Yeah. I think it's, events. I think it's going to be crazy rare at any point in the future, no matter how much shit we put up there, just because of the fact that 70% of the surface area of the globe is uh, uninhabited water. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. No matter what, it's always going to be rare, even if we blanket the skies with shit. Until it happens. Uh, probably more risk. Still, that's, that doesn't make it not <laughs> rare, though. There's probably more other risks r- yeah. related to putting that much shit in the sky. Well, yeah. a retired couple got a bolt from the loo when a large chunk of poo smashed a hole <laughs> in their roof after being flushed from a toilet on a plane. Uh, Keith and Ruth Mead were shaken up as urine and feces, which had all frozen uh, as it sped from the jet about 30,000 feet overhead, hit their home with an alarming bang. Ruth, 67, who was in the attic, uh, who was in the attic room but uh, escaped unhurt, said, it was a horrendous noise. I thought someone had crashed into the front of the house. Thank goodness it didn't hit anyone. It could have killed them. Keith was 70. He rushed outside at 9 a.m. thinking there had been a car accident. Uh, he saw smashed roof tiles all over the road and a hole about three feet long and two feet wide in the roof. Fragments of the ball of poo each weighed about uh, one pound and were about seven inches long. So really just hmm. like one person's shit. You know what? That must be what happened um, this morning outside my apartment building when I when there was two gigantic logs of shit on the sidewalk. It no. must have been from a plane because <laughs> it definitely couldn't have been from somebody who took a shit or let their dog take a shit on the sidewalk. <laughs> Couldn't have been that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, wait, wait, wait. So, but is this how airplanes work? Really? I, I didn't. I, I don't think. I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. I actually yeah. don't know. It, it is kind of. I feel like they've got to be dumping that shit when they get they to the airport. Like, like holding tanks or something that they. Would, oh, they definitely do. It right? doesn't just like you don't flush the toilet. It just doesn't get like right? fucking. Launched out of the plane. <laughs> Imagine you. There was like always like a little bit of like like rain that sprinkles down for a second. It's just that's his it's airplane just, pee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it wouldn't be rain. It would be hail. Yeah. See right, what, be now. Now what well, I don't. Now what I don't get. I mean, this is opening up a lot of questions. How it, I get that it would freeze once it's up there because it's very cold. But then how I I can't. How does it stay frozen? Well, I mean, when how does hail, how does hail stay frozen on a summer day? That is a good question. I have oh, no idea. The speed. It's, yeah. it's traveling faster than, than, it would than the temperature melt. is heating it yeah, up. Yeah. Um, well, let's move along. Uh, Nova Scotia. <laughs> Nova Scotia. I don't big, doubt you. Big news for CFers in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia is now covering the expensive cystic fibrosis drug, Trikafta, for children what? ages oh. 6 to 11. Oh, nice. Um, uh, this comes months after Health Canada approved the use of the drug for that age group in April. Uh, quote, today's news will change the trajectory of, uh, of the disease and the future for many children and adults in Nova Scotia who live with CF. Kelly Grover, president and CEO of Cystic Fibrosis Canada, said in a press release on Monday. Hell yeah, Kelly. Uh, Kelly, great woman, eh? She's mm-hmm. fucking cool. Uh, Nova Scotians over the age of 12 with CF have been eligible for Tricapta since November. Uh, without a provincial program, Trikafta could cost patients as much as three hundred thousand dollars per year. Dude, how how um heartwarming is that? Considering like one of the things That's that I huge, thought this is a huge yeah, deal. One one thing like that massive. I thought was um 
was really amazing is when we first started this podcast, uh, Jared, it seemed like you were getting a lot of um, emails from parents who had kids with cystic fibrosis, particularly like newborn, yeah. like just had kids. My friend Tracy, and, um, uh, you know, she her she had a she had a kid born with CF. She reached out to me and was like, I don't know what to fucking do. I remember you having some of those conversations and I remember yeah. um, like this sort of like hope for like, oh, this is a different time now than what what like you were oh, yeah. born into yeah. for example and it will go down like it, it will it will likely go down to you know six months mm-hmm. probably it will probably no it will oh, it will probably go down to six months at some point in the future but just mm-hmm. even if it didn't ima- like just think about how much different Ooh. it is to get that treatment six years earlier if than you i could got have before. this drug at six years old oh my god you'd, you'd almost have no you'd have almost no yeah damage to your lungs whatsoever at all yeah. which is which yeah. is which is like i'm thinking of those conversations that you had early on and how those kids are probably like five yep. almost six years old yeah and probably like now getting to the point where now they're able to get like, these treatments. think about like amazing. just how that conversation is like cf cf when when a person that's born with cf today is your age like this whole conversation the conversation that we've had about cf for the past fucking decades since i've known you i mean cf has always been like cf fatal disease like we've just we've just fucking catapulted cf into a totally different category of disease in the past like two years and that will be that will be something like all like so many of the things that you had to deal with mentally to try and grapple with growing up as a kid will just not even be in the in the psyche of of kids growing up with yeah. with trichafta. Yeah. And I wonder how much how much does um how much does like the whole thing with with the vaccines for covid being made over the last couple of years and the rushed process there's got I mean there's definitely like there's definitely some there's definitely yeah. some give and take with that like there's definitely a positive positive aspect and a negative aspect to like rushing drugs and and you know like on one hand I think you're I think it showed that we could do things faster than we were doing them. Yeah. And then on the drawback, it's like, well, you know, what's how fast is too fast and like trying to find the balance there. But just showing that we can move drugs along at a faster pace with a little less bureaucracy with the goal of still maintaining yeah. like safety mm. is huge for for pharmaceuticals, like life saving pharmaceuticals in general. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember when Tricafta was approved. Just because it was approved doesn't mean it was going to be covered. Right. But yeah. once it got approved in Canada, uh, the turnaround time for that to get the coverage was like, I think it was like uh, like March or April of 2021 to November, mm-hmm. which is pretty quick. You know, it was like pretty quick. It went through the, it went through the, it, there was like several hoops it had to go through to get to that point. It happened fast and when it happened. It, yeah, it did. And, is- and, and, and I, I remember when it got approved, I was thinking, okay, so maybe like two years from now, I'll get it. And I got it that year. Yeah. Yeah, like I got it. I got it uh, before the year was up. That's Though so it is, and and like that is, I mean, fast relative to how long things like that can take. Yes. But also, is that really fast? I mean, I don't. I don't entirely understand what's happening during those processes. I think fast but, relative to what we expected. Right. Yeah. But but I'm also saying like, like the what, vaccine. Like so, yeah. if the you know when the drug is proven to be safe, for example, in the United States, but has not. Um, been granted uh, like use access here. Like, 
it's it is still annoying how long that can take sometimes when like the science is already established yeah but the bureaucracy is what takes yeah long and and that's the thing that's like that i find is is annoying when there is something available that could save somebody's life or or make somebody's life significantly better yet it's it's bureaucracy yeah. that's slowing it down and you got to think about like how many drugs how many drugs are on the list for health canada to look at mm-hmm. and like imagine how over like there i don't think you could ever hire enough people mm-hmm. for health canada like even if it was like hey you've got you've got a blank check for staff mm-hmm. to be able to review these drugs i think it would even in that scenario it would be hard to hire enough people to pass to review pharmaceuticals at the rate at which it would be good to get to get things through. I think that's the 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 reason why people are are advocating for a rare disease strategy specifically because yeah. because like there's not even enough momentum behind some of these yeah. um, um groups because there's so not rare. enough people, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So how many people in Canada have CF like something like, like 30 4, yeah, th- 3600 4000 somewhere in in Canada. Yeah. So like yeah, I mean, imagine that drug comes to Health Canada and thank God CF has like, I think CF has a good like groundswell of like vocal support. Like it's a, it's a, it's a disease that, that I think the average person is at least like heard of, you know, even though not, even though relative to the population, not very many people have it. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, we, 190 people in Nova Scotia have the disease. Mm-hmm. The 3,600 that came from this article, it's estimated that one in 3,600 babies in Canada are born with it. Okay. In total, I think it's 4,000 people ish that mm-hmm. have it in Canada. Right. So the, like uh, you, so, so I mean, imagine some of the diseases that we've talked about that are like less than that or around that same amount. And they are, they are up against in terms of like those drugs being submitted for review, like drugs that treat those things. Just first of all, just the incentive to try and create a drug for that, that only treats very few people. So like the return, if you can only put that drug into the hands of 4,000 people in a, in a country that of 35, 40 million people, that's not a huge financial incentive for a profit driven pharmaceutical company. No, you know, that's, and I think that's part of the rare disease strategy is, is, um, is lobbying these companies to work on specific yeah. drugs for these um, specific diseases that aren't getting the attention that they should. Mm. And like, you know, having the government help subsidize some of those efforts. Um, if there's anybody listening who knows more about, you know, this, the rare disease strategy. We got a Wednesday episode ready for you. So uh, yeah, yeah. Hit us yeah, up. Hit us up. Um, here's a uh, really heartwarming story, literally and figuratively. Toronto preteen, the youngest person in Canada to receive a total artificial heart. Uh, multiple heart surgeries and near-death experiences wow. have earned 12-year-old Miriam Tannis, the nickname Miriam Miracle, says her mom. And for good reasons. Uh, about one year ago, the it's now kind of a shit nickname. I know, right? Yeah, should be like 100%. even like Miracle Miriam would be better than that would Miriam be better. Miracle. Yeah. yeah, they need to watch more UFC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one year ago, the now thriving preteen became the youngest person in Canada um, and among the smallest person in the world to receive a device known as a total artificial heart. Her doctors at the uh, renowned Toronto Hospital for Sick Children on Monday detailed their last ditch measure to save her life when a previous transplant began to fail. It's all the more remarkable because such devices are only made for adults. Mm. Um, The machine barely fits inside Miracle Miriam's chest. And after implementation, uh, uh, her surgeon, Dr. Osami Honjo, 
says he left the cavity open for days because it was just too big to close right away. Whoa. Um, you know what's really wild about that is that uh, uh, my girlfriend works at the, the CVICU, the Cardiovascular Intensive Care Unit here in Halifax. And uh, she was telling me the other day about um, she was work during her shift. She had one patient she had to like just sit with. I probably talked about this on the show before, but the guy was that she was sitting with had an open heart surgery. Oh, yeah. But they couldn't close him up for whatever reason. So she just had to sit there and watch this guy who had a fully cracked open, fully open sternum with just like saran wrap over top of it. So nothing falls in just an open beating heart. Wow. And that's her Whoa. job. Whoa. Isn't that fucking crazy? So she was like watching. Yeah. She was like, yeah, just going to make sure this guy's like still alive and nothing like falls into his open (laughs) cavity. At the same time as. That's uh, that's Miracle Miriam. That was her for a few days. At the same time as it's like totally fucking mind boggling that they can put in a uh, artificial heart. Like that's fucking crazy. But at the same time, like the heart is. The heart is a pump. Like it's not like it's it's it's. It's a it's. It's kind of like a simple, it's kind of simple, like the way that it works. I think there's like a lot of intricacies to it, but like it is, it is like <laughs> from it, this lay person's perspective, but it is, it is like a fair, it is like a fairly simple it's mechanism. Just a <laughs> I mean, dude, it, it, it is like, if you talk to a, if you talk to a, uh, like, a, you know, a, um, uh, what would the doc be a cardio, uh, vascular a cardiovascular surgeon or, or somebody who's in, who, who works, you know, for, with, uh, the heart, like they would probably tell you like, yes, it's. It's it's simple, but it's hard. You know what I mean? Like, like it's uh, it's it's a fairly simple organ. Like you're not trying to replicate, you're not trying to replicate something that's like, like overwhelmingly complicated. It's like yeah, it is like probably the most important organ. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like it's a pump, and it's got four chambers in it, and you've just got to make sure that like that that the fucking blood comes in comes in and and passes through Mm -hmm. and goes out of the right chambers. I mean, that's why that's why, like, you know, a lot of uh, med school students right now are like clamoring to get into cardiovascular surgery because they're like, it's fucking easy, easy, it's easy, it's easy as shit. <laughs> no, here's what I mean. Like, here's what they can just be like nothing. super hungover and yeah. I mean. it every time. Yeah. Here's yeah, what yeah. I mean by that. Like, here's what I mean by that. Uh, doing a handstand, for example, is is simple, but it's not easy. Like, you can't. If I said, okay, if I uh, do a handstand, you're probably not going to be able to do a handstand. But if I tried to describe to you what standing on your hands is, it's like, it's standing on your hands. Mm. It's very simple, but it's not easy to do. And I think the heart right. is like sort of similar saying, in the way that it's not, it's, it's a pump. It's simple. It's simple. It's a pump, but you know, it's, it's also like, very It's kind of like playing darts. Very simple. Throw the dart, get it in the bullseye, which is very small, <laughs> very simple. Not so easy, you know, not so easy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But but the thing that I think that um, you're leaving out of the equation when you say it's just a pump is that it also is a pump that is has to change its pumpiness based on the situation, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. based on like the, you know, yeah. like, like how fast does it yeah. pump? Does right. it pump fast based on like, you know, like you're having sex and you need it to pump faster. I would or guess, like, I would guess that there's that there's some pretty severe limitations that somebody with an artificial heart is it has in terms of like their ability to no contact sports partake in contact (laughs) sports or sports in general, probably Uh, Miriam's mother, Linda uh, recalls many tearful days praying for her daughter's recovery and the elation she felt when she learned Miriam would be okay. She said, quote, she is a miracle. She's a strong girl. She loves life. She needs to be alive. 
uh, says the mother, describing a lively, active grade seven student who loves to swim, collect LOL do dolls, anymore. and draw. Yeah, probably not. What's an LOL doll? Uh, like a probably the oh. new zillennial version of Beanie Babies. Hold on. What LOL did you just say? dolls. Gen Z. Gen Z is is that another? Did you just make that up, or did you read that on tech? Did you see that on TikTok? Zillennials. Okay, yeah. LOL dolls are uh, like really gross looking Barbies. Uh, like lol Barbies. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, these I don't like these. Larby. I don't. Like um, these. Miriam was born with two forms of congenital heart disease. Uh, Epstein's anomaly caused a leaky valve and cardiomyopathy caused an ill-formed right ventricle. She had open heart surgery at the age of three and a heart transplant at age seven. Well, Jesus. But Guys, at, how uh, cute but a, would a seven-year-old heart be? Pretty cute. Yeah, pretty probably. Cute, yeah. Um, but a steady decline at age 11 culminated in a cardiac arrest in June of 2021. Oh, my God. Uh, Antoine Adwar recalls the terrifying day that Miriam suddenly collapsed at home. Her older brother administered CPR while they waited for an ambulance to sick kids. Did he check her pulse first? She, <laughs> she was resuscitated and stabilized in intensive care. Holy shit. But doctors recognized that her heart was giving out. She would need a second transplant, but also time to regain strength. Time for her immune system to respond, uh, response to subside, time for her immune response to subside and time to find a new organ. So her cardiologist, Dr. Uh, Amir Jiwa, says that uh, that led the medical team to the total artificial heart, a device that can essentially replace an entire human heart for a limited period of time. This is unlike other devices, which are designed to hook up to an existing heart to aid its function. It's only been used on 58 patients in Canada so far. Because like the the like it's external small, version of that would be like a pacemaker, right? Yeah. The like, pacemaker like would like Adam like attach to it and then that would... Yeah, yeah. like sends an electrical yeah. signal to tell the heart to pump. The procedure right. involves removing the heart's two main pumping chambers and replacing them with mechanical pumps that are surgically attached. Um uh, tubes, pumps. tubes run from the pumps out of the chest into a big wheeled console that operates 24-7 outside of the body. So kind of like what uh, Adam had, oh, I think. yeah, right, right. Um, after surgery, Miriam remained sedated on mechanical ventilation for 16 days. During that time, blood and fluid accumulated around the device requiring another oper- operation. Poor fucking little girl. Uh, quote, it was really difficult. Uh, says Hanjo, but somehow she eventually stabilized. I can't explain why. A heart for Miriam became available two months later, leading to another challenge, removing the device and connecting what amounted to her third heart implant. Now there was no more scarring at the site and the too large device had compressed a uh, systemic vein, says Hanjo. But as a specialist in complex congenital heart surgery for infants, Hanjo was used to tricky operations and says the actual procedure was not as challenging uh, as the broader medical care Miriam required to survive so many interventions. He, he said, said, quote, he said, it's quote, just a pump. It's so fucking easy. I was hung over as shit. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Miriam has ongoing challenges and will have to take immunosuppressant drugs every day for the rest of her life. Uh, although pediatric transplant patients tend to fare much better than adults. Still, transplants are not a cure. They can only extend one's life, says Jiwa, and it's highly likely that Miriam's heart will fail at some point in the future. What's important now is to make sure that Miriam can live the best life she can, he says. Aside from regularly taking medication and seeing a cardiologist, 
she should be able to do what virtually most kids can do. Oh, my God. So Zaya has a heart appointment today. Yeah. Wow. Do you think uh, maybe she could like get what you had? You had a fucky heart when you were a kid. No, didn't you? I think what what when she was born, they uh, like as soon as as soon the day after she was born, um, like a slew of people come in, like a hearing um, a hearing specialist and a heart Hello! specialist, and, and then a, she's yeah. like, uh, yeah, they actually good. they actually put some device. Just come right up to her and go. <clears throat> I don't. I can't remember. They. I don't know what it, what it does. I can't remember. I probably asked, but I was so sleep deprived that I I can't remember. But they put like some device in her ear and and like play some frequency and and I don't know. I I don't know what they're. I think they might be able to monitor. Mo, uh, they might be able to sense the uh, the vibration that like returns from from like a something in the ear that they can test that the ear works. Um, anyway, a slew of people. Uh, one of them said that they heard the heart the heart doctor uh said that they heard a um a murmur which is basically like a whooshing sound um uh, of like in your heart so like instead of like a boom boom it's like a there's, so a, there's a ghost in it has heart. something to do with like the blood not flowing she's got a haunted correctly. heart and uh Ooh. And then we set up a thing, but they, but they were like, they were like, well, it will probably go away on its own. And it has since gone away, but the appointment, but because of just the public health. It's funny because whenever I see her, it it looks like her heart just doesn't beat. She's just like, yeah, Yeah, dude, when she was laying on the table here last week. Yeah. That was called sleeping. Um, (laughs) Same, same. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. Uh, here's an interesting and really stupid story. Um, a sex toy day keeps the doctor away. The medical uses of dildos and vibrators. Now, this is the cool part. The stupid part is Alabama. Dude, <laughs> I, so I shared this article, but I was also um, I was also listening to this uh, um, article through the Curio app uh, written by, I think it was the... the uh, Wall Street Journal, but it was about how Alabama, in Alabama, sex toys are illegal. Yeah. That is so crazy. So dumb. So earlier this Why? week, the Supreme Court declined to hear a nine-year-old case challenging Alabama's ban on the sale of sex toys. What a bunch of losers, dude. What a bunch of fucking losers. Guys, the states, I'm so sorry, everybody. Listening from the U.S., but your country is fucking and I'm, silly. And I'm not saying that Canada is some fucking shining no light on the hill, but your country is on fire. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. yeah, the state yeah. law prohibits the distribution of any device designed or marketed as useful primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs for anything of pecuniary value. Mm-hmm. 
the law, though, does does make exemptions for this is really funny. It does make exemptions for a bona fide medical, scientific, educational, legislative, judicial, or law enforcement purpose. So is that like, like a is like, that like are a they using cop? dildos as clubs to like club <laughs> the fucking bad guys? This, like what's going on? This other article that was like supplementary to this was about was profiling this family that owns a sex toy store In and Alabama? how they were operating under the guise of they were like, hey, this is for pleasure. However, legally we have to say that this is educational. Yeah, legally we have to say that this so, is for law enforcement that are looking for wacky and sexy kinky weapons. So, so all of the <laughs> all of the imagery on the product packaging had to be like modified to be like fully clothed people yeah, and right. like like everything had to change to like imply that it was for educational use only but yeah. it was obviously still a so sex store. what medical purposes do sex toys serve? Well, strengthening muscles, for one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, women who su- suffer from incontinence or a prolapsed uterus can exercise their pubococcal muscles, uh, not to mention having more satisfying orgasms. Ooh, that's bad. Uh, <laughs> by doing Kegels. Uh, those muscles ca- uh, get an even better workout if you use weighted barbells, balls, and spring-loaded devices. Shit. Men with prostate disorders might use a dildo to massage themselves and drain the built-up fluid. Definitely just for that and not for jizzing, okay? <laughs> the built-up fluid in their nuts. That, yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, some doctors, however, believe this can be dangerous, especially if the patient has an acute bacterial infection or prostate cancer. Uh, some healthcare professionals also believe that women can hasten recovery from surgeries like cesarean sections with the help of sex aids, which increase blood flow. Mm-hmm. While sex toys are often used recreationally... Hmm, They can also improve sexual function for people with certain medical conditions. Uh, Diabetes and multiple sclerosis, for for instance, affect nerve transmission, which can dull sexual sensation. Mm. People taking medications for high blood pressure and depression can also suffer from side effects that limit sexual response. And women who undergo hormonal changes during menopause or who suffer nerve damage after surgery sometimes find their clitorises to be less sensitive a sex toy might be necessary to increase arousal, which is yeah. interesting because it's like, okay, you know, um, uh, according to the state, uh, they're, they're banning any device designed uh, as, as useful primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs. But if you are taking antidepressants and you're having like a hard time with arousal, they're like, okay, fine. You can like, you can fucking blast yourself with a <laughs> with a fucking rabbit vibrator, um, but like if you, uh, but if you're not on those antidepressants, you better leave that pussy alone. Yeah, like, like that's when it fucking, becomes that's when it becomes like a health issue. When like it when it can help with that, then okay, fine. But which I'm like, sure if you had a cool doctor, you could be like, hey, like, oh, I'm I, sure. I want I want a fucking vibrator, dude. Can you just yeah, tell, it was can like you say like I I it's I'm just it was like medical does, like yeah. medical marijuana licenses yeah. when yeah it's but, just causing a headache. But the other big one that um, <laughs> wasn't mentioned there um, that this other uh, article was talking about was the the aging population and yeah. how um, elderly women in particular who you know have maybe so there was an example of of one woman who had had a partner that passed away and then started you know dating somebody else in the in the senior living um home that they were they yeah. were in and they um wanted to engage in sexual intercourse but their vagina was so tight that they couldn't so yeah. they they went in to get vaginal dilators and so dilators right. were like a yeah. really yeah. 
important thing for them being yeah. able to like even which I don't you know, think dilators would fall under a sex toy. Um, but they're uh, so that's where they're, they're probably sold. sold right? like, sure, so sure, like sure, so sure, imagine sure. where else do you sell? Right, I suppose. Them? Like, yeah. Where are they sold? And so, Amazon. I mean, probably at Steph's clinic. You know, you go to a physiotherapist. Yeah, probably, they probably have them. Yeah, a hundred percent. But for, even like endometriosis or yeah, like yeah, yeah. PV. Um, what was the? There's PVD. so many PV, PVD. Yeah, provoked right. vestibule vestibule dinia. Vestibule dinia. Right. Uh, for men, doctors might recommend a penis pump, though it is possible to buy one without a prescription. Last one, there's a penis pump. Uh, mm-hmm. For women, there are devices like the Euros, which is basically a pump for the clitoris. Uh, the handheld device features a small cup that pulses and sucks to enhance blood flow to the clitoris. Say that again. Uh, Euros nope. pulses and pulses sucks. and socks to enhance blood fun. flow to the clitoris. <laughs> it does sound fun. It does sound hot. Uh, <laughs> more blood flow to the area increases arousal, which in turn helps the body lubricate itself and makes sex more pleasurable. Isn't it crazy that Alabama was just basically like this is a no fun state, dude? I it's it's so I mean, unfathomable that a group of adults just thought that this was a useful use of legislative. But, yeah government time guys but you can own guns yeah but like guns are cool guns are yeah for them i mean it depends who you talk to guns can be fun when you know they're not shot at a bunch of fucking innocent people uh, <laughs> right, and you're yeah. just shooting yeah. you know skeet shooting or something but I mean, the you crazy shot a thing, gun, dude guns are fun the, i i don't i don't disagree with that but the crazy thing is that they've decided one thing is okay and the, and this other thing that is not anything like you know <laughs> Dangerous. Hey, well, or you know what? They're, they're you know, just, they're you know just why? asking for people to be like, well, I can't get a dildo, but I got this fucking long rifle, so I might as well shove that up in me. Founding fathers didn't wow. say, founding fathers didn't say you know? anything about dildos. This is interesting. That's uh, because they didn't need to. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're, they're, they're literally like, whoa, guys, we didn't put it in the Constitution because we didn't think it needed to be said. legislated. Uh, <laughs> I actually didn't know this. Vibrators were invented as medical equipment for treating female hysteria. <laughs> That's, that's, that's a that's, that's, that's a dated concept. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, she's hysterical. Give her a give her a vibrator. Uh, so, is selling a sex toy was is selling a sex toy always illegal in Alabama? Probably not, since the statute focuses on, on how a device is designed and marketed. Something that's used as a vibrator isn't, uh, but isn't marketed for erotic play might be legit. The Hitachi Magic Wand, for instance, one of the most popular vibrators in existence and wasn't made for a vibrator. Hitachi makes it? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so so the Hitachi Magic Wand was... Like Hitachi, like the Japanese yes. electronics brand. It wasn't made as a vibrator. It was made as a personal massager, but it has now become... Personal pussy massager. It has been become the <laughs> number one sex toy in the world. Uh, because it is, as I'm sure it's great for massage, but it is real great for revving up your. Is that the one that has the, like the bulb at the top? Yeah, that's right. And now, mm. now there's like hundreds of sex toys that are look the same recreations of the Hitachi one. Once but, the patent uh, ran out, but the, but the but the magic one <clears throat> still today a lot of people feel like is the superior uh, <clears throat> version of the wand. Um, Wingardium Leviosa. Mm. You know what I would love to hear. I would love to hear a defense of this. Like I would love to hear a, like a like a the the intellectual defense of this legislation. I mean it's probably as fully fucking ridiculous as the defense for Roe v. Wade, like t- tearing down Roe v. Wade. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I just, I just want to hear. I just want to hear somebody try to like rationally explain why it exists. Yeah, like I'd just be fascinated because we can't have these fucking women out there. Like realizing the power of their pussy. No. You know, like that's it. Like we can't have a bunch of wet pussies walking no, around no. Alabama the making, making the fucking uh, sidewalks slippery and shit. Come on. Like we, we'd have to invest in so many, you know, uh, uh, floor is wet signs and be putting those yeah. every, Dude, everywhere. You know what the crazy thing about this? this and it's similar to Roe v. Wade and with something like this is that I bet you at the same time as as somebody could support this legislation and support overturning Roe v. Wade. At the same time, they would probably look at Saudi Arabia and be like, I can't believe what they do over there. Yeah, yeah. And hold those two opinions at the exact same time, which are so conflicting. <laughs> the thing yeah. that I don't understand yeah. is, is if even if you felt so strongly that you didn't want to use a sex toy, what, like... Who are you to say that somebody else can't make their own decision? About no, I mean, that? It's, it's like like sodomy like, laws, you know, it's it like, doesn't affect like, anybody else. Like, but, well, that, but, but dude, that's the thing about red states is that they hold super conflicting positions because at the same time, the like overarching Republican ethos is like individuality and individual freedom. freedom and at the choice. same time, it is the it is red states and red red state laws that prohibit the choices that individual people make. Yeah. It's so, we should have freedom. It's so weird. Fully and autonomous freedoms to make the decisions that we want, except when those decisions are in conflict with our values, then then you can't yeah. have your freedom. It's so weird. It's so strange. It is funny how like those red states were all like raw, raw fucking government. Like we're all about the government, follow the government. And then vaccines came out and they're like, don't you fucking tell us what to do, government. I like, mean, that's more in line with the general ethos of red states. In it general. is just kind of silly. Because I mean, if you're you going to, if you're talking about, uh, if you're talking about Republican, Democrat and like the large, like sort of like the overarching themes that they follow in like the most broad sense one is democrat is bigger government bigger government can solve the problem and republican is smaller government reduce yeah. the government's role in your Actually, but it's also bill, protect, bill, the government's role is to protect the conservative ideals i, I think bill too. burr actually made a joke about that in his new special about the uh about like like oh, yeah, freedom yeah, yeah. freedom yeah. and like like fucking like uh, uh you know american uh yeah american patriotism america, america fuck yeah except and, the and government. Then, except, except wait the government's <laughs> telling me to get a needle fuck you um yeah. uh here's a here's a really interesting um uh lawsuit uh uber settles a us lawsuit over disabled riders and vows dude, to waive fees dude, this was crazy. this is craziness um uh uber technologies inc uber Uber's uh, a bad company. We'll pay <laughs> more than we'll pay more than two million dollars and waive wait time fees for disabled passengers to settle U.S. allegations that the rideshare company had violated the Americans with Disabilities Act. The Department of Justice said on Monday. So, as part of a two-year agreement, Uber will waive wait time fees for certified disabled riders and pay one million seven hundred thirty-eight thousand five hundred dollars to more than one thousand riders who complained about the charges and $500,000 to others harmed by the practice, the department said. So people who were disabled called Ubers. The Ubers would show up, but because they're disabled, whether they're using a wheelchair or some other like aid in mobility, um, took them longer to get to the rides and to get into the rides and set up in the rides. The Ubers were then charging them wait time fees because of this and they were going but 
we are disabled. It's like it's it's bound to take us longer to hop yeah. in your fucking ride than, you know, Johnny Two Feet over here who's just like walking up and slipping in. I think and this so is, all these people are like, what the fuck, Uber? Like, yeah, it, it, I think I think this is a, a a good example of of um of a technology company setting up a structure in code and how things are programmed and not seeing all the angles and going we because because they would because i'm somebody i'm just imagining like the 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 like brainstorming session about like how they're going to incorporate like what do we do when people take longer to get to the car <clears throat> and they're and they're thinking about and they're just they're not thinking about people who with disabilities they're thinking yeah. about people who are not disabled and going well we need to incorporate this thing mm-hmm. so we're going to incorporate it and they don't incorporate exceptions but, to so, the to the rule, but, but but the thing, the challenge is. I'm not saying the that way that's that they okay. Think I'm the, just saying that I don't think. That I mean, this is the reason why though. This is no different than like accessibility issues yeah. in a city. Yeah, but, you know, the, totally. The, the, the reason why <clears throat> that problem exists though is because really, to you, the passenger, you're not Uber's client. Uber's client is are the drivers. So like, I mean, they like like if they don't satisfy the drivers and have the drivers to go and pick up the people, then the people then then they won't be able to offer the service to the people. So I understand that like they have they have two clients. Yes, the person actually taking the ride is also a client, but like they also have to view their drivers as clients. So they're looking at like, well, how do we incentivize them to mm-hmm, drive? Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to be very happy if they're sitting around waiting and not being able to collect a fee for that. So they do that without the consideration of the people that 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 actually affects but there's yeah, also but there's but there's also an inherent issue with with saying that if you are a certified disabled uh like certified disabled with within the Uber app like whether you you know you probably have to submit something that says you know that you have x y z condition or disability I've and never then, seen that in the app though I haven't seen it either but I, but they it mentioned certified in the in that article it mentioned certified like certified disability so I would imagine that there's some sort of like the same way that you would need a placard on your car to park in 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 disabled spaces you probably need something like that but then if a driver and this is the same conversation that we were having about like women saying oh I'm pregnant and whether they should be like the conversation around employers being privy to your pregnancy situation and like yeah. and like when do, when is it when is it appropriate for an employer to know and how does that information influence the decisions that an employer makes for hiring somebody who who is who is pregnant or can become pregnant it's and like it shouldn't it, it shouldn't yeah. exactly it shouldn't but then but it does and that's the problem right. yeah. and so with somebody who has like a certified like is certified has some type of like disability certification within the Uber app and the driver knows that there's no wait time fee applied to this person. Is that going then going to incentivize drivers to just not pick up people with disabilities? And like, how do you fix that? And that, like, totally. it's a complicated, yeah. it's that's, it's a, it's fucking complicated. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause, cause then, cause then it like with Uber drivers, I, I believe this is how it works. Like it's up to them. Like they make the decision to pick you up. They're they not do, assigned yeah. to yeah. you. Yeah. Like they choose you. <laughs> they do. But the the problem is, my problem with Uber is that they also treat their drivers like shit too. 
because they're so there's they're very there's such a high company. demand yeah. of you know drivers anyway. People just looking to make extra money. So Remember when Uber started and, and Uber drivers were fantastic and they were like giving you water and they would give you an aux cord to plug your phone in and listen to your music. I had, I had an Uber driver pick me up and uh, he he didn't charge me. He made uh, all I had to do was put on a leather glove and uh, he offered me weed and then uh, he started jerking off. But I mean. Whatever. Whatever. I, was, I, was I got a free yeah, glove. Free. I got a free glove. And the ride was free. Um, and the ride was free. And he didn't touch you. No, no. Yeah. No, yeah. he just wanted me to wear the glove. Uh, and then that's he let sad. me drive the car uh, for a bit while I was wearing the glove. So and, you know, uh, that's uh, still, that's problematic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, and for people who don't know what I'm talking about there, just Google Halifax glove guy. <laughs> and you will be entertained. Um, <laughs> speaking of hot stuff. Um, it's, uh, we're looking at heat waves, uh, heat wave in Toronto right now. It's real hot. Uh, it's a dangerous time to be someone who lives in a place that doesn't have AC, uh, dangerous time for people living with schizophrenia. We actually learned this, that uh, a lot of schizophrenics, um, have a hard time and, and, uh, oftentimes sometimes, uh, find themselves dying in the heat, um, uh, with heat waves hitting, uh, cities across the nation. Uh, and I guess yeah. across the uh, Western the, Europe is like the, super the, crazy. The it's globe. predicted that uh, over a thousand people will die this week in yeah. Europe from the heat wave. Well, check this fucking story out. This uh, this blew my mind. Saw this on Reddit earlier. Um, this is about uh, the rough work conditions that UPS drivers face uh, in in high heat. We're learning more about that alarming video of a UPS guy in distress from the extreme heat. He struggles to make it onto the front hurting. porch. Then he oh, collapses, God. overwhelmed by the 110-degree temperature in Arizona. He has to lie down for a moment to recover. Slowly, he gets back <laughs> up again and reaches for the doorbell before stumbling back Yo, to his truck. Uh, I don't know if he laid down it's there. It's just a sickening feeling that you don't know what's going to happen to that guy if he goes to the next house or to his truck. Homeowner Brian Enriquez says he was shaken when he saw what his ring Dude, the camera guy had walks captured. Back to his truck. You can see in the video, he's looking at his hands, shaking his hands. I mean, he could have a mini stroke or anything. You may be surprised to hear that UPS trucks have no How air conditioning. fuck is that? It feels so freaking hot back here. Drivers are taking to social media to share their extreme working conditions. This guy is drenched in sweat. To get air through the truck, the best way is we always leave the doors open. We rented a UPS truck to experience what drivers <laughs> of endure. Has in a full suit. UPS drivers <laughs> call these trucks the box, and there's a reason. They literally bake in the sun. This one's been parked for a while. Outside, we're registering 95 degrees, but inside, we're approaching 120. Whoa, that's hot. UPS says the driver on that Arizona video is fine today, adding, our package delivery vehicles make frequent stops, making air conditioning ineffective. Across the nation, the heat is on. We're talking about all-time records, like we have never in recorded history in centuries seen this type of heat. Check out the forecast in Houston. We've got triple digits in the forecast. Look at all those hundreds. It's going to feel like you're standing inside of a hairdryer. <laughs> the extreme weather oh sparked God. severe thunderstorms and flooding in New York, where a massive sinkhole swallowed a oh, van. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Holy fuck! In the United Kingdom, they're seeing temperatures of 100 degrees plus for the first time ever. They've literally never experienced this before in recorded history, going back 363 years. And only 5% of the homes there are air-conditioned, versus 90% of the homes here in the 
the States. So uh, for, wow. for uh, context, uh, 110 degrees Fahrenheit is 43 degrees Celsius. Dude, that is so that, that, gross. that day that that guy collapsed on the front porch, uh, it was, it was Dude, almost 45 I was, degrees. When, I was, uh, when we were doing our yoga trainings in Bali before the pandemic, I would take my bike and, and I would try to get out in the morning because it's so fucking hot there. But if I couldn't get out in the morning, I made the fucking dumb decision a handful of times to go out at like 10, 11 a.m. Yeah. And it's like 37, 38 degrees, but like a f- with crazy humidity, the feel like yeah. is like 44, 45. What is the fucking deal with that? It's Can we the, just talk about that for a second? It's just the way that humidity. I know, no, I get it. I understand. But why? Why? Why just why not just say what it feels like? I mean, like we are. Th- that's how I that's how I read. I register temperature by, <laughs> by how, how it feels yeah. like. Yeah. So what are we what are we doing with like that? That's well, it's actually question. 29, right. but it feels like 38. It's like then just call it 38. Right. Bro. Because if you went outside. So, for example, say there was a phenomenon where the temperature outside was 20 degrees Celsius, but um, there was some sort of air phenomenon that made it feel like it was zero degrees. What what is the value in telling you that it's twenty degrees? Call outside? it zero, bro. Because it's fucking Call zero. It well, zero. It's it's actually, freezing. Well, uh, here I'll I uh, I can I'll I'll theorize one thing. Inanimate objects don't experience the feel like temperature. So so if it's like that's cool. So, so I'm an do you think animate. a rock gives a flying yeah. fuck with the temperature? No, but it also no, can't watch the news. No, but it could be something like um. It could be something like um. Uh. So I'm just I'm totally just making examples up, but like in, in um, like Western state, uh, Western provinces in the winter, when it goes down to like crazy temperatures, they have to plug in their cars overnight if they're parked outside because they need to keep the engine block like warm enough so that it doesn't, they, they can use their car. And so if it is, if the, if the temperature is like not cold enough for them to need to do that, but the feel like temperature is cold enough for them to have to do that, they don't have to do it, even though it feels way colder than it is. Um, that's a dumb example, but like, do you know what I mean? The car doesn't experience the same temperature, so like, temperature could affect buildings and infrastructure yeah. in a way, and, and not affect them. But right. but the feel like temperature could be. They warmer. should lead what and, feels like. Yeah, and here's it my feels he, like. Yeah, here's yeah. my point. I don't fucking care about that, <laughs> <laughs> and nor does my body. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, like. Infrastructure. You know what's does. crazy though is in in no in, infrastructure doesn't care, man. The, the people it people that pay for infrastructure, which is you and which is me, does care. Yeah, but I don't. Um, <laughs> so so the the interesting thing to me is that in when I lived in Dubai in the summers it was fifty degrees Celsius every day <clears throat> all the time, and like it's not they're never like it's one hundred and thirty degrees outside today. Like they don't because it's that way every day. Yeah, but they're also you know, systems in place it's to like, built, handle it. It's built and, for that temperature. Like you go from your air conditioned car to your air conditioned house and like they're to your air conditioned office. And there's basically air conditioning everywhere. And basically nobody goes outside in the summer, but also there's probably not like you, a UPS. I'll tell you right now, UPS drivers in, no over there. I bet you they're driving fucking Tesla trucks that are, or know, they, shit. you know, actually the, like the majority of, People who do those type of jobs are like slave labor. I mean, and why, they, like, why doesn't UPS just drive ice cream trucks in the summer? That's you a good know? idea. Pop those fuckers in an ice cream truck, have a nice cool back, 
Do you think an ice cream truck is actually cold inside? Oh yeah, dude. Well, it's cold well, inside I mean, the ice cream part. Yeah, yeah. I, but well, are you I, sorry, get not, in the ice cream not, part? not an ice cream. <laughs> not, not, not an ice cream truck, but like a a, a meat truck. You know, right, like, a, yeah, like a refrigerated yeah. truck. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that only in the back. It's not where you drive it. Yeah, though. but you open that fucking door up on the side there behind you, and that cool air just kind of rushes up in the front. Dude, why are these companies hiring Jeremy? Why are these companies hiring to robots? Strategize. I'm available. Uh, let's go on to this week's edition of What the Health? This is a, a okay. letter. We got a letter right on from uh, Sarah. Uh, Hi, guys. I've been a patron for quite a while. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, but I feel uh, old anytime I look at Discord. So I'm sending you a plain old email. <laughs> <laughs> um, just by the way, you don't have to feel old looking at Discord. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of fucking yeah, a lot geriatrics of gl- a lot of gl- up in there. But there's, there's, uh, uh, yeah, don't be intimidated by all the glizzies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was listening to your Friday episode where you discussed vabbing, uh, which we covered last week, which is all about sticking your fingers up into your lady parts, uh, into your vagine and wiping the vagine juice on your neck to, uh, try to attract a mate. Mm. <laughs> It's like cologne, um, vagina cologne. Uh, and that gave Sarah a good chuckle. Uh, Brian wondered if it would work if people with penises did it. And my guess is, fuck no. Uh, I added the fuck. <laughs> that would also be my guess. <laughs> July 6th, 2022 marked the first day of jizz tree season here in Vancouver. I thought this was a joke. Uh, it's not. I know this because I sent a happy first day of jizz tree season vomit emoji text to a couple of friends just around the corner from my house there is a tree that smells horrible every july if you google jizz tree you will get a few suggestions but our tree happens to be a chinese chestnut you know what's crazy about this is when i read that part I love of that nut Sarah's is a email. part of the tree that <laughs> smells like calm. that's really funny it's when i read when i read that part of uh sarah's email <clears throat> i thought like I thought that she meant that it was just a thing with her friend group. Yeah. And then when she said to Google it, I actually Googled it. Oh, I got the article here. There's a bunch of articles about jizz tree Um, season. This tree also happens to be en route. I have to walk daily. And honestly, I try to hold my breath as long as possible on that block. My friend and I were laughing about it one day and a random stranger said, the semen tree, right? Uh, There's even a (laughs) scholarly article about it that Jeremy might enjoy reading. All of this to say, if I caught a whiff of this smell on someone's wrist and neck in a club, I would run the other way. I can't wait until jizz tree season is over. So, you know what the most remarkable part of that entire email was? Yeah, remarkable. Remarkable Remarkable Remarkable. Remarkable is great. You know what the most remarkable part of that entire article was or email was? Was that she said that here's a scholarly article that Jeremy might enjoy. I mean, I, <laughs> hey, hey, and you know what? I do read a lot of scholarly articles for this, uh, for these episodes. Don't know what the fuck I'm reading. And so when I read those articles, I just Google Vice articles that might have covered it and then talk about that, which is exactly what I'm going to do here. Uh, this is from Vice. Here's why the trees on your street smell like semen. Uh, you know oh the smell. God. And this is funny. It says, you know the smell. I actually don't know the smell of cum. You do know it. You j- well, you can't smell. So that's why you don't know. That's it. And yeah. I don't have. A lot I know of the smell, but I couldn't. I couldn't describe it to you. Like I, I, I know it, but I couldn't. Like there's a dampness. Uh, it's there's more a dampness like, to it. I know this. Well, they go on smell. The, I know the to, smell of sex. Kind of smells like a basement. I know the smell of anal yeah. sex. Yeah. That that my nose can pick that up. 
they say it's that chlorine <laughs> musk. got a nose for anal. <laughs> it's that chlorine musk that reminds you of either narrowly dodging a pregnancy or being a 15-year-old boy. Uh, but it's a weird thing to be walking down the street on an early spring afternoon and get a nose full of jizz. You're looking around like, what is that? Uh, the answer is trees. That coming smell comes from a flowering de- uh, deciduous tree called the Prius Caloriana, uh, better known in Australia as the ornamental pear or the celery pear in the U.S., originating from China. They became the urban designer's tree of choice in the 1950s because they're small, neat, and produce cute white flowers. Ornamental pears now line city streets around the globe, although they've fallen out of fashion in Australia and the U.S. because they tend to self-germinate in vacant blocks and, as mentioned, the jizz thing. So what's the smell? Basically, they smell like that to attract insects. Quote, anytime plants emit fragrances, it's typically to attract pollinators, and that's why uh, what the pear is doing as well, explained John Mergel, uh, a horticulturist in Denver. Quote, Man. we normally associate sweet smells with trying to attract bees, but a lot of plants all over the world uh, use really terrible smells in order to attract beetles and flies as pollinators. I was going to say the bad smells, because when I think of plant smells, I, I, I like first jump to like flowers Roses, and like yeah, really, really yeah. like really pretty smells. Daffodils. And those are lilies. like lilies that those smells attract Rose like dendrons. The, the, the like beautiful um, like insect creatures. Mm. You get like really cool, like, even even like outside of the insect family, you get like like hummingbirds and yeah. shit like that. But then the cummy smell, like I would imagine Ugh. that that would Ugh. attract like the, the shitty the, bugs, like the like Slugs. the bottom of the rung, like yeah. the shittiest bugs in yeah, the bug yeah. kingdom, and yeah. Dogs. flying yeah, ants, like, like yeah. yeah, like dirty ass beetles and shit like that. Well, I mean, the yeah, disgusting I mean, ones. I mean, dude, like, like <laughs> creatures love shit smells they do yeah in the world of chemistry these smells are known as volatile amines which basically means they're molecularly similar to ammonia in the case of the ornamental pear what you're smelling is trimethylene uh, trimethylamine and dimethylamine both of which smell like ammonia and the twist in the story is that there is ammonia in cummy Uh, And just because we're here talking about semen, I want to raise something personal for a moment. And that's how whenever anyone brings up semen trees, some sort of dude always invariably says, ha ha ha. How do you know what semen smells like? (laughs) Which is what I said. Um, (laughs) But but I actually don't know. Um, You might have experienced this yourself, but I want to just quickly clarify that all people, those dudes who know exactly what semen smells like, um, and they know because they all spent long, fevered years exploring. And I know this because I was there being one of them. For many of us, semen was a phase. Uh, and there was even a stranger phase when Wait. some guys in high school were tasting their own just to see. I actually tasted my cum the other day just to see what it tasted like. And I was quite surprised. I can't say that I've ever felt think... the urge to, to no. like play with, explore, no. or smell, or taste. Yeah. I've always cum. been quite revolted by it. Yeah, I lapped it up. I, I had some in my hand, and I just went... Mm. And I went lip, and I licked it up, and uh, it didn't taste. I, I it tasted very different from what I. I don't I thought. mean to pass judgment, but that is horrific. I, I don't mind. I mean, that. I don't, like, I don't, I don't think fucking so. Yeah. People that I spend a lot of time with, uh, I know, put I, it in their I mouth. I know, right. I get it. And I get so it. I, I said it's not fair. And how I can I find that so attractive, but yet be like <laughs> disgusted by it when it's like it's when my, it's, like it's my own cum, dude. Mouth. It's not like yours. See, like guy cum versus like, like female cum versus guy cum though. Like I'm tastes like, very different. Very different taste. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that very makes sense. Different. Why I would like one and not the other. 
Well, you might, you might, um, you probably wouldn't, but you might like the taste of cum. It, you know, what it tasted like, um, it tasted <laughs> like a, like an oyster. I'm flattered that you would, you would say that about me because I like to be, I like that you consider me to be an open person. No, no, that no, would, no. might be interested. No, he said in it's because it's, no, it, you know, it, it's, it's a seafood it's thing. It's a seafood <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's a seafood thing. I don't like seafood. Tay doesn't like seafood. I'm going to take do. that the other way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it tastes like, su- uh, like a sushi. Um, uh, salty, a lot saltier than I thought. Um, wow. What Thank about, you for but, sharing. But you didn't have pineapple before, I, right? I didn't. And I don't know. Is if that, that true? I, I don't know, but I'll try it. I'll try it. Yeah. Uh, I'll try it this week and we'll talk about it next week. Oh, God. Okay. See, like that, like, dude, that <laughs> makes me, that makes me go. <laughs> I think like, I'm going to go to the superstore, buy a bunch of pineapple. <laughs> I'm going to come all over myself tomorrow and I'm going to lap it up and I'll tell you guys all about it. Jared, one, when you say lap it up, that's really yeah, funny. Yeah, like, yeah, a dog, like, like a dog. Like, oh, like, you know how dogs like flick, flick yeah, water with yeah, their yeah, tongue? Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. But oh the, the thing that I've, I, I'm curious about is, if your cum was the consistency of like mine or Taylor's, would you still be interested in in tasting it? Like, it, yeah, like I don't care. I don't like, fucking care. Yeah, <laughs> this is such an interesting road. Mine's that we've more. Gone down. I almost like, licked his fucking uh, fungus toe for money. For that? money. What? Oh, when we were away on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I didn't because I because I just read about that kid that died from eating the slugs. Yeah. So. I mean, would you, you don't want to? Would get you a taste my cum? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? No. Because I don't have interest. Because I, I don't have interest in it. What's the difference Dude, between yours versus mine? This I, has I, gone I, in I, such I, a crazy direction. I wouldn't let you piss on me, but I piss on myself in the shower every day. You know, it's my own. It's my own funk. Like I'm down with my own stuff. Yeah. I don't like the smell of your farts. I I can't get enough of mine. Well, that's a that's a biological phenomenon. And back Is to the, back to the cum. Same thing. Dude, biologically, yeah. biologically, I am cool with drinking my own cum. Yeah, it doesn't. Don't, don't say drinking, dude. Don't say drinking. No, say, continue I'm, to say lapping it up. I'm cool with gargling my jism. Don't say gargling. Don't say gargling. Don't right, say back, back to the trees. Uh, it's worth noting that smelly plants are fairly common. There's an entire subset of stinky plants called carrion flowers or corpse flowers, ooh, which mimic yeah. the stench of decay to attract bugs that usually feast on rotting animals. The most repugnant bugs. Indonesia has produced many of the repungent. favorites, including amorphophallus. Fophallus titanium, which has a long proboscis-like structure that heats up to further disperse its smell. Another example is the bulbophyllium, uh, which is a kind of orchid found throughout Latin America and Asian Pacific. These guys are beautiful, but their scent is said to range from urine and blood all the way through to something sweet and fruity, kind of mm-hmm. like wine. Uh, closer to home now, uh, the good news is that ornamental pear trees won't stink for that much longer. As John Mergle explained, most bloom for just two weeks. And if a tree is in a warmer exposed site, it could already be flowering. So enjoy the jizz smell while you can. Like memories of adolescence, the smell of semen in trees is fleeting. Wow. God, I hope more fleeting. That was something. That was something. It was. And uh, thank, thank you, you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, <laughs> listeners, for tuning in. Uh, um, if you want to support the podcast, uh, you can do what Sarah is not doing and come on over to our Discord. Don't worry. There's no age gap or limit, rather. Um, uh, there's, there could be an age gap if, if Sarah joins, uh, but, uh, no, no limit. So, uh, so come on over, uh, the link is in the show notes below and, uh, lots of fun conversations happen over there. But if you're not into that, of course, like Taylor will say in a moment, you can email us. Um, and if you want to support the podcast further, you can, uh, leave a rating and a review on Apple podcasts or 
just leave a rating on Spotify. We'd love to see that. You can do that on your uh, on your phone yeah. on the Spotify mobile app. <clears throat> yeah, and if you are a Luddite and you prefer to stick to the tried, tested, and true method of email, you can send us uh, a story or a thought or uh, a suggestion to talk about on the show to letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact the form. If you're a true Luddite, you can send us some, uh, you snail can post mail. us some sa- snail mail. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to give it our yeah. address. If you're just a new age Luddite. Yeah. Because a Luddite, because yeah. the term Luddite has got to change over time, right? right as, yeah. as we get more technologically advanced. That's true. Um, also, uh, as of the release date of this episode, we have one more week of Lawn Summer Nights. And so if you want That's to right. uh, yeah. donate to our Lawn Summer Nights team, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes to this episode. Dude, mm-hmm. we're on the way to the ship. We are, yeah. On summer nights. We're probably going to win. Crushed it last week. We did, uh, yeah. Won both games. Uh, one of our games we won by oh. such a staggering amount that the uh, the, the people that run that run the uh, the event, the the lawn bowling folks that are probably a lot older than Sarah, um, a lot. they were impressed. Yeah, they, said, they said, we've never seen this before. Yeah. They, they also seem- gave me a, a tip that changed my game completely. So wow. thank you for that. That's amazing. There we go. Also, uh, if you're in Halifax, uh, Lawn Summer Nights that happened yesterday, I spoke at it. So if you weren't there, uh, too bad. Um, and and also stay tuned Uh, make sure you're listening to these parts if you're still listening right now make sure you continue to listen to these parts of our episodes because we do have some show dates coming up we do some live shows we do Vancouver we're coming to you September 21st tickets are going to go on sale probably next week and uh, Calgary we're coming to you as well Uh, and uh, that's going to be really fun September September 24th 24th. and um Edmonton, if you make enough noise, we'll uh, we'll consider coming to yeah. Well, and enough noise, like one email, yeah, and we'll do yeah, it. We're, we're working <laughs> on uh, people in Edmonton. We're working on a we're working on gathering. We don't have a date. Well, sorry, we don't have a venue yet, but we are working on specifically to get a show on the nineteenth. So if we do do a show in Edmonton, it'll be on September nineteenth. That's it. Go. And uh, uh, thanks to the folks who make this show happen. A huge thank you to Donovan Morgan for the sound design on our Monday episodes to uh, Rich O'Coin for the theme music on these episodes and to Jeff Lonis for being our uh, man at the helm. We love you. Our daddy. Yeah, daddy at the helm. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.